are we on? Oh, wow, what a response. Awesome, Nate. That's great to hear. Let me just get this sorted out. There we go. All right, excellent. Um, happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, my name's Jason. I'm uh, just one of the regulars here. And, uh, and every now and then they, um, they make the mistake of letting me loose up the front. And, but it's a real honour and a privilege to, uh, to be able to speak to you this morning um, and, and to open God's Word with you and to look at a topic that is absolutely amazing. Um, we're in a part of a series. Who remembers last uh, week, uh, Lauren got up the front and spoke a little bit about um, the, the theme or the topic that we're doing uh, at the moment. Who remembers what it is? I am. Well done. And how long are we doing I am for? Oh, yeah. How cool is that going to be? So this quarter is all about I am. We're looking at God and his characteristics and all his I am statements, and then we're going on to other things. So that's going to be really good. So what have we done so far? We've done I am God the Father. I heard it over here. And I am the Son, Jesus Christ. And today we are going to be doing a topic that really excites me. When I found out what the, um, the preaching topics were, I actually put my hand up for this one, mainly because, well, you know what, to be honest, mainly because I felt I really didn't know enough about I am the Holy Spirit. Um, and I just, I wanted to know more, I wanted to learn more, I wanted the opportunity to read and study and, and try to pull something together, and it's been a real journey. Um, how good was that singing? Waymaker, did you reflect on the words of that song? You are here, moving in this place. I worship you. And even though I don't see you, you're working. How cool is that? Um, yeah, so look, this morning we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And before we do, what I thought we might do is just um, bow our heads for a really quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, um, God, we come before you, we bow our heads, we um, open our hearts and our minds to your leading. Um, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll be here in a, in a powerful way today. Um, I know that you want to be, and I know that you are, and I know that uh, you're, as we sang, you're, you're moving in this place, um, and I really pray that uh, you'll lead our, our words today in our discussion, and, um, and that you'll lead the results of today as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it seems that many people have a bit of an idea about who God is, about who, the God, who God the Father is. Um, you know, whether you're Christian or even atheist, like you know about Christianity, you know about God, right? And it seems like most people kind of know who Jesus is, um, or at least they know about Christmas and Easter, right? Um, so people kind of know about that, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it seems like there are a whole bunch of people out there who, who really aren't sure about what the Holy Spirit is, or, or who it is, or how it works, or, um, you know, is it kind of this thing, is it like this power that just emanates out of the Father, or is it its own identity, or, you know, what's going on? And I think for also for a lot of mainstream Christians, I know for me, um, growing up, whenever I, th whenever I hear the Holy Spirit, there are certain things that just spring to mind, right? Like speaking in tongues, and being slayed in the Spirit, 
and faith healings. And my mind, rightly or wrongly, jumps to dodgy TV evangelists from the 1980s and 1990s who then got done for all sorts of crimes and, you know, whatever else. That's where my mind goes. And I think for certainly a lot of, um, you know, people my age, probably similar kind of thing. I'm seeing a few people nodding. And we hear these stories about the Holy Spirit. And often we have these discussions about the fact that, oh, well, you know, but like the Holy Spirit, yeah, he's, he's active in third world countries and you hear stories from Africa and India and, and Cambodia and, you know, all these cool places where kind of, you know, stuff happens, but not here, not, not in Australia, not in the Western world. Like we've got doctors, we've got medicine, like we, you know, it's just, it's just, it's not the same. And we hear all these stories and every now and then, occasionally, we, someone in our community, someone we know, someone we do life with, is game enough and brave enough to actually share a story of one of their experiences with the Holy Spirit. And it could be little and it could be, or it could be big. I was talking to a friend recently who, who shared an experience that they felt was the, the Spirit of God. And you be the judge. They, um, they had a friend who... Um, was a non-believer and was just starting to get to know, um, you know, about God and, and, and starting to build their faith, but they just, they couldn't make the plunge. They just, they couldn't, they just couldn't do it. And they were struggling with this. And they asked my friend whether they would come over and just spend some time with them and talk to them and, and just kind of hang out for a bit. And they said, yeah, sure, no worries. So she hops in the car. She's running late. And so she's like driving to this person's house to, um, to catch up with them as they had arranged. And she starts driving out, and all of a sudden, she just has this really strong thought, really strong impression, stop and get a pizza. And she's like, man, that's random. What's going on? Like, this is bizarre. <coughs> and she's like, I can't stop and get a pizza. I've got it. I don't even, I'm not even hungry. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. It's breakfast time. Like, I've just eaten. It's all good. I've, I've just got to go. I've got to rush. And she's driving along, turns the corner. And there's Domino's right there. And as she's passing the Domino's, there's like this really strong voice in her head saying, stop, get a pizza. And she's like, I can't stop, I'm in a rush. And so she pushes it out and ignores it. And she's driving down the road and it's like, pizza, 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 in the back of her mind. And she's going, God, what are you doing? And she comes around the corner and there's a pizza hut on the side of the road. Stop and get a pizza. And she's like, I can't, I've got to go. And now she's arguing with, with whatever's going on in her head, right? You be the judge. And she pulls up at a set of lights, and she's first in line, and she just, close, she's not, she's just closes her eyes, and she's thinking, she's praying, she's going, God, what is going on? Like, if this is you, I'm running late, I've got to get there, I don't want to let her down, um, you know, like, I can't stop and get a pizza, I don't have time. And she opens her eyes and looks up, and there's a guy standing right in front of the car with a Domino's wobble board just looking at her. <laughs> and she's like, oh, God. <laughs> so she pulled over, had to wait 10, 15 minutes while they made her a pizza, grabbed the pizza, and continued on a journey as quick as she could. So she gets there. She walks up to the front door holding this pizza box, and she's just feeling like bizarre right she's just feeling so awkward so she kind of holds it out the side of the door frame where it can't be seen and rings the doorbell 
the lady inside opens the door, the first thing she says is, where's my pizza? And she's like, uh, right there. <laughs> and she said, what's the deal with this pizza? And she said, you know what, I've been, I, you know, I knew you were coming and I've been sitting here and I've just been like thinking things through and I got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore and I just said to God, you know what God, if you're real, give me a sign, bring me a pizza. If not, I'll know you're not real and I'll just throw the whole thing away. All right, you tell me. Is the Holy Spirit working amongst us? Is that coincidence and chance? Absolutely not. And you know what? It's not just other people. Um, not too long ago, I was going through an experience where it was tough. It was probably, you know, it was a really dark point in my life a few years ago. And, you know, there was all sorts of things going on and it was depressing and it was making me anxious and it was just really tough. And I don't know that I'd go as far as to say that I was questioning God, but man, I was struggling with God. It's like, God, you know, I'm giving this to you, I'm bringing it to you, I'm talking to you, I'm looking for guidance, I'm looking for comfort, I'm looking for help, I'm looking for protection from what's going on. Like, man, I need you, and like, there's just nothing. What's going on? And then one day, out of the blue, someone who doesn't really know me, and we know of each other, friends of friends sort of thing, and, um, and this guy walks up to me and he says, um, hey Jason, I'll have to say, like, he is someone who I, I respect as someone who's really spiritual, someone who's, who's a real spiritual mentor in many ways, and he comes up to me one day out of the blue and he says, hey Jason, like, I was doing my devotion time with God the other morning and, um, and uh, God told me he had a message for you. And I'm like, <laughs> first thing that went through my head was skepticism. This is a few years ago, I kid you not. And first thing I thought was, there's no way, like what is this? But I kind of respect the guy, even though I don't really know him. And I'm thinking, all right, well, let's see how this plays out. And he said, look, I feel really awful because it doesn't make sense. But God told me to give you a message, so here it is. And he handed me a piece of paper where he'd written it down. And I'm thinking, either this is going to be really general and broad and could apply to anything and it's just, you know, r rubbish. Or who knows? Like, who knows what's going on? So I opened it up and read it. It was only short. But in that, he specifically spoke to my circumstances that no one else knew about. And he specifically spoke to emotions, doubts that I was having that no one else knew about. And it started with these words. Tell Jason I love him and I'm with him. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's generally two responses. There's either a response of, like, awe and excitement and, wow, like, how cool would this thing be? And God's working through us and it's awesome. Or 
there's a response of fear, absolute fear, or skepticism, I guess, but if we're accepting it, it's probably usually one of those kinds. And often it's both, sort of meshed together somehow, right? But this is a really important topic to, to work through. And I tell you, absolutely unequivocally, it's one that Satan does not want talked about. And not today. This week he's hit me with um, medical issues. He, last night at 2 o'clock in the morning, there was some guy doing burnouts out the front of our house and woke us all up. 3 o'clock we had other things waking us up. 5 o'clock we had other things waking us up. This morning when I went to save the, the sermon onto my iPad, which is how I normally preach you know, with my notes, um, the iPad stuffed up. I couldn't work it. I tried to use another device. The internet stuffed up. I went to print it. The printer ran out of ink. Like, you know what? This is an important topic and the devil doesn't want us talking about it. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's not some ghosty, cloudy, whatever. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that probably don't help us when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The old Bibles talk of, call him a ghost. Like, that's probably not helping the situation. Um, there, there's a lot going on. But when you read through the Bible... He's one who comes alongside, he's a counsellor, he's like a coach, he's a comforter, he's an encourager. And Jesus said, when he was going back to heaven, Jesus said, the, whole, the Father will send you another counsellor. And that word that he uses for another isn't just another, it's a special word. That word means another of the same kind. He's going to send you a counsellor who is just like me. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus. In the way that he loves you, in the way that he cares for you, in the way that he forgives you, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. The Father sent another counselor of the same kind. And he is the way that God is present with his people today since Jesus went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit is the source of God's power and God's love and God's interaction and God's presence for every Christian, every single one of us here today. So this morning, we're going to have a look at just a couple of things. We're going to have a look at what is he like? We've sort of touched on that. We're going to have a look at how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? We're going to ask the question, what will he do if, if he does fill me? We're going to have a look at how will I know that it's the Holy Spirit and not just my own thoughts or, or something else going on? How will I know that it actually is the Holy Spirit's leading? And we're going to have a look at what happens if I stuff up? What happens if I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something and I stuff up? Because they're probably some of the key questions that, as I've been talking to people, people have been asking about the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if anyone here today, um, if you really aren't sure about who the Holy Spirit is, chances are you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. And that's fine. But that's something that God wants to remedy. And if you don't personally know and experience the Holy Spirit, then the best thing for you to do is to actually rely on stories of other people who have experienced the Holy Spirit. And that might mean talking to, to pastors or friends or other people who have experienced the Holy Spirit. Or it might be actually going to the Bible and reading some of the stories in there about how the Holy Spirit has interacted with people in the past. Because He wants to interact with you in similar ways today. And when you go through the, the, um, the, the Bible, starting right from the beginning and the whole way through, 
I was amazed. I never realized how many stories in the Old Testament there are about the Holy Spirit working and how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament. He is all through. And it starts right at the beginning. So if we... I've been forgetting to throw these up. That was all about ghosts. That's fine. Don't worry about that. So Genesis 1-1-2, right? We're talking, about <laughs> we're talking about creation story, right? And when we have a look, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the face of the earth. Uh, sorry, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the first instance we find of the Holy Spirit, He's hovering. He's waiting. He, he's there just just busting to create something new and to bring new life and to bring order out of the chaos that's there. And the Holy Spirit today is the same. The Holy Spirit today often brings new things into people's lives. He brings new life into people. He brings new life into churches. He brings order out of, out of the chaos of life, out of chaotic schedules and and freeing people from the confusion of messy and broken relationships and all the other stuff that we deal with in life. He hasn't changed. And not too far in the same story, when we read through with the creation of mankind, um, it says that God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now that word, when it says God breathed into him, that's the same word that the Bible uses later to describe the Holy Spirit. What it literally says is God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth and then he placed the Holy Spirit inside Adam and Adam woke up. Think on that. We are the dust of the earth animated by the Spirit of God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit living in us and wanting to be in us, that's what we're talking about. And likewise today... He brings spiritual life to people as well. Through the Bible, he also filled individuals um, for the task of leadership. Like, you know, we look at um, uh, one story in particular when God's people were completely oppressed, completely impoverished. God called this, this young guy named Gideon, who was the youngest of his family. He came from the smallest family, from the weakest tribe, and he knew it. He had all the excuses. I can't do it. I can't do it. Look who I am. And yet, when the Spirit of God comes upon Gideon, he became the most remark one of the most remarkable leaders of the Old Testament. He defeated an army of 135,000 soldiers with just 300 men. When Samson was tied up by his enemies, this is what the Bible says about Samson. It says, the Holy Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of twine and they fell from his wrists. And you know what? Today, we may not be physically bound by ropes, but too often we're tied down by fears and habits and addictions which take a grip on our lives. And just like the Holy Spirit freed Samson, the Holy Spirit breaks our bonds today. And we see the Holy Spirit all through the Old Testament. I had two A4 pages. I've had to cut it down to just that. But what we see of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is nothing. Because at the announcement of Jesus Christ, when the angel Gabriel comes to speak to Mary, we see an explosion of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the stories in the Bible. An absolute explosion. Almost everyone connected with the birth of Jesus ends up being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's like, well, first of all, Mary, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the angel told her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And then Elizabeth, her cousin, just has to walk close to her. And the Bible says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And her husband wasn't even nearby. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist's father. And the Bible says that John the Baptist, a baby in his mother's tummy, jumped and was filled with the Holy Spirit when he came into the presence of the, the, the baby Jesus in Mary's tummy. Like all of a sudden, something just starts to happen. And as we read through, um, as Jesus comes onto the scene, one of the first things he does is he's, he, he, he is baptized. And when you read through that story, there's this wonderful description where it says, Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And then just before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he gave us a promise. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that was fulfilled at Pentecost, just a few days after Jesus left. Ten days. When the Bible says that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And we now live post that event, post Pentecost. We live in a time in the history of the world where the Spirit has been poured out onto every believer in Jesus Christ. And that means every single one of us. So... How can I make sure that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? It's a really important question. Are you currently filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, when I was growing up, down in Sydney, go the Blues, we used to live in a house that had an old gas water heater for our hot water system, right? And the whole time, that system had a little pilot light burning. And for many Christians, it's like they've just got the pilot light of the Holy Spirit burning in their lives. And it's not until that pilot light ignites and kicks in a full gear that the, the full power of that heat is exposed. The heat and the, and the power that it can put out doesn't happen when it's just running on the pilot light. And too many of us are like a hot water system just running on the, power, on the um, pilot light. The Holy Spirit is available to every believer. In fact, Paul says, if anyone doesn't have the Holy Spirit, that person doesn't belong to Christ. Yet, not every Christian has the Holy Spirit or is filled with the Holy Spirit. When Paul went to Ephesus, he actually came across a, a group of Christians, of believers, who had never even heard of the Holy Spirit, let alone have the Holy Spirit. And so Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they all instantly started praising God. That was the, like the reaction, they couldn't stop themselves. And there are people today, <coughs> pardon me, who are in a similar position. They may have believed for a short time or a long time, they might have come to church for a short time or a long time, they might have been baptized, but they might not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that each one of us should eagerly desire 
the Holy Spirit, he says to the Corinthians. So then we find this awesome little story in the Bible where... I'm a bit behind, aren't I? I'm going the wrong way, that's why. And then Jesus told this story. This is an awesome little story. And he said, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. I love this story. I might have done this before. Um, Wanting to borrow some food. And you said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to feed him. And suppose he calls out of his bedroom, don't bother me, the door's locked for the night, my family and I are all in bed asleep, I can't help you. Jesus said this, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep banging on that door long enough, he will eventually get up and give you whatever you want because of your shameless persistence. There you go, guys. You ever need food from someone? It's a, it's a biblical precedent, that's right. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. He doesn't just say it three times there. He, he then goes back and repeats it again because it's so important. He says, he, he goes on and says, For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be open to them. And then he takes a little tack and he says, hey, all you dads in the crowd listening to this, if your children ask you for a fish because they're hungry, do you give them a venomous snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a a venomous scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, have you heard this story before? I always used to think this story was talking about prayer and about how God answers our prayers. I'd never actually noticed the last few words. Jesus says, if you um, sinful uh, fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're asking the question, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? There's your answer. God has promised you, if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he will give you the Holy Spirit. So, I want to give you an opportunity today, right now, to do exactly that. If you're not interested, that's cool. Sit there, keep thinking about this whole thing. But I want to give you the opportunity because there are five things you need to be doing if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not hard. It's really easy. I brought it down five little words for you. First one is check. Do a quick check. Is there anything in your life that's separating you from God? Anything in your life that's keeping you apart from God? Maybe what you're reading. Maybe what you're listening to. Maybe what you're watching. Maybe what you're doing. Maybe what you're hanging out with. Ask him. Convict me impress upon me, show me if there's anything in my life that you want me to change. Do a quick check. And once you've done that check, change. Make the change. The Bible calls it repentance. Apologize to the Spirit and change. Turn around. So first we check, then we change, and then obey. It's a bit like an athlete. 
I used to do a lot of athletics when I was younger and fitter. And it's a little bit like an athlete. Before you get to the race, you think through the stages of the race. You almost live it in your mind at the start, the first few meters as you're accelerating, going through it, um, going through the first bends if it's a longer race. And then you can almost, you, you imagine yourself, you picture yourself finishing and winning the race. It's the same thing with this. Because what you want is, you want to be in a situation where when you're in the heat of the moment, you've already made your decision beforehand how you're going to respond. When the athlete's racing through the middle of that race and a competitor's coming up, he's already lived that in his mind beforehand and he knows it's only a short bit of pain, but I'm going to push through that pain. And so in the heat of the moment, he's already made the decision of how he's going to act. Same thing we do here. We make the decision now, no matter what the Holy Spirit impresses on me, I'm going to obey, I'm going to follow. So we check, we change, we obey, and then we obsess over it. Not in a bad way, not in a negative way, but in the passage we just read. We ask, we seek, we knock, we change, uh, we chase, we fervently, we keep going back. It's like that guy banging on the door at midnight. Shamelessly. And then, here's a good one, then watch out. Expectantly look, wait and watch for how the Holy Spirit's going to show up in your life. Because he's promised he will, right? So if you want to know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I challenge you right now, do this. After church, do this. Today, this afternoon, run through this. Check, change, obey, obsess, and then watch out. So if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's that going to look like? What's he going to do? Like, like, it's all very well to say we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but what will the Holy Spirit do in my life? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever wondered that? Well, the Bible says that before we become believers, the Holy Spirit has one key job. And, uh, and in John, it says that it's to convict us of our sin and our need for Jesus, to convince us of the truth and to enable us to put our faith in Jesus. But once we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit starts doing more stuff in our life. And this is where it gets really interesting. The Apostle Paul actually mentions five things in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit starts doing in our lives. So if you want to know what to expect, this is what you should expect. The first thing you should expect... is, and this is um, from Romans 8.14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Children are loved. Children are often forgiven, especially when they're young and they don't know better. The first point is, all who are led by the Spirit of God become children of God. You haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption. When someone's adopted, they're chosen, they're valued, they're brought in, they're included in the family. And then he says, now we call him Abba Father. Now that word Abba was never used in the Bible to describe God the Father except by Jesus. It's unique to him. And it's, it's really kind of hard to translate, but it's, it's um, respectful but it's really endearing. It's a bit like daddy, but more respectful. It's, it's intimate. 
it's kind of, you know, it's passionate. And the Holy Spirit wants you to have a more intimate relationship with God. And then he says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit will give you the deepest experience of God that you can ever have. And then, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, we are co-heirs with Jesus. Now, an heir is someone who the whole estate belongs to, right? They're getting the lot. And the Bible says that we're heirs. And someone who is an heir is someone who is given things. There's someone who has security, someone who has riches of the estate. There's someone who gets gifts. And when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, I only found this a few months ago in 1 Corinthians 2, he says this, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not the wise and persuasive words I wanted them to be. But I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Like I often thought of Paul as someone who wrote half the New Testament. You know, he was someone who could preach and convert and, and do all these amazing things. And here he's saying, you know what? It wasn't me. It wasn't my words. It wasn't that I was clever in the arguments. That I, did. I came to you with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? And he finishes it off by saying this, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's pretty cool. So the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. Each one of us gets gifts. And they're all different types of gifts that he gives us. Um, this is from 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul says there are different gifts, um, different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of all of them. Spiritual gifts are given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from a different spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in different kinds of languages and tongues while another person is given the ability to interpret. It is the one and same Spirit who distributes all these gifts and He alone decides which gift each person will get. The Holy Spirit empowers you. And this is an important message. I'll tell you why it's an important message, because the church is often referred to like a, um, a, a footy team or a basketball team or something like that, because one of the major problems that we have in the church at large, not necessarily at Refresh, but maybe, is that there are so few using their gifts. And as a result, we have a few people who are doing everything and totally exhausted while the rest are underutilized. It's a bit like a basketball game where you've got hundreds or thousands of people sitting around who need exercise, watching a handful, 20 people or so, who are just dying for a rest. And as the Holy Spirit gives each of us gifts and leads us in how he wants us to use those gifts. And when I look around our church, when I look around Refresh, one of the things that I think we're just so blessed with is that there are so many people here who have been blessed with such amazing gifts. 
like, think about the guys who are on the worship team this morning. Um, you know, the people that were singing, we had Minnie singing from the front, blessed with her um, ability to lead us in worship. We had Cherie singing this morning from the front as well. The musicians that we had, Wayne on the keyboards, who else did we have? Um, on the drums as well, like, you know, we've got so many people here who are blessed with different types of, of, um, of gifts. Uh, Yako, blessed with the, with the gift of teaching. Peter, um, blessed with the spirit of hospitality. Um, Joe, blessed with the spirit of um, helping and administration. And, um, you know, you, you're so active. And so many people here, like I couldn't even name everyone. All sorts of different um, gifts. Uh, we've got leaders. Graham, sitting over here, leading the school. You're blessed with the spiritual gifts of leadership. We need to acknowledge that. Um, Ivan, I would say blessed with the spirit of wisdom. I believe that. We've got so many teachers sitting here, blessed with the spiritual gift of teaching. Um, and I just did a bit of a brainstorm as well in my head about a few others. There were so many names, I just had to stop. Spirit wants to work. The Spirit is working in this place. And He's blessed so many of you with so many gifts. It's awesome. So, how do I know that I'm actually hearing the Holy Spirit and not just my own voice? Or worse still, the enemy, the devil. If we're talking about, you know, if, if I'm going to be filled with His Holy Spirit, and if, if the Spirit is giving me these gifts and He's doing stuff in my life, how can I be sure that that prompting, that when I hear in the back of my head, stop and get a pizza? How do I know that's God and not just my tummy rumblings? You know what I mean? That's a really important question. You know, life is full of decisions that don't have absolute, specific by name, how-to directions in the Bible. How many hours a day should my kids watch TV? Should I really be playing those shoot 'em up computer games or not? Am I allowed to go on a date with a coworker? Well, not me because I'm married, but <laughs> although actually Mel works at work with me, so hey, office romance. <laughs> that could be fun. Um, Oh, I've lost my spot now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we all have notions of truth and we all have notions of, of, of what we believe and where we led with faith. But often we're left questioning, is this from God or not? Am I hearing God or am I only hearing myself? Um, and, and God in the Bible... He, tells us that we should test the spirits to see whether they're from God or not. But then the question is, well, how do I do that? And the thing we have to remember is that everything we've seen in the Bible so far is that the Holy Spirit wants you to hear Him. He wants to guide you. He wants to fill you. So He's pushing for it, right? So how do we test the Spirit? How do we know? Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice and follow me because we recognize his voice. How do we recognize his voice and how do we know? So how can I know, how can you know if you're um, hearing the Holy Spirit? 
Well, here are a few questions from the Bible and from some research that I did as well that might help. You want to know? Here are a few things to think about. Here are some questions to ask. First of all, <coughs> pardon me, important question. Does the prompting that I'm getting, does it bring glory to God? Jesus said everything he did was for the glory of the Father, and the Holy Spirit's the same as Jesus. So first of all, does it bring glory to God? That's the first question you need to ask. The second question is, is it in line with the fruits of the Spirit? Now in Galatians 5, the Bible says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is what I'm being prompted, is it in line with the fruits of the Spirit? When, um, when you come to our house at the right time of year, uh, we've got some lavender plants down beside our front path, and you can be down the road and I'll start smelling lavender before I've even seen the plants. And the fruits of the Spirit are a little bit like that. That's what we see when the Spirit is active. So it's got to be in line with the fruits of the Spirit. Third one is, does it go against God's Word? Um... In, in Timothy, the Bible says that all Scripture is inspired by God and used to teach us what is true. So a really important question, does it line up with God's Word or not? Number four, is it confusing or vague? And this is an important one to think about because there are so many texts. I'll just give you one in Isaiah 30 where it says, what, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it and there are so many promises in scripture where god says if i want you to know something i will let you know something i will not be vague i will not chop and change it'll be clear just like the illustration from my friend i gave you at the beginning pizza 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 it was clear it didn't let up have you talked to god about it have you prayed about it have you asked him about it in Jeremiah 33, it says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Have you asked for wisdom? Again, there's another promise in James where it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to you. God's given you so many promises where he says, If you're not sure, ask me, I'll help you. So have you asked for wisdom? Here's one. Ask yourself, what's the risk? Because if you feel the Holy Spirit impressing you to go up and say hello to someone new at church, risk's pretty low. If the Holy Spirit's asking you to perform a, hate, uh, a um, faith healing at checkout six down at the local Coles, a little bit more involved in that. Doesn't mean it's not from God, but it's a question to ask. Here's a good one. Are you emotionally involved with the prompting that you're receiving? Now, it's not to say that if you're emotionally involved, it's not from God, but I was told by someone recently that um, three catchwords to, uh, to consider are hatches, matches, and dispatches. If it's got something to do with births, if it's got something to do with relationships, if it's got something to do with death, hatches, matches, dispatches, they're highly emotive points in life. And sometimes when you're emotively involved, um, there's, there's more risk that it's something you want rather than something the Spirit's leading you in. So take your time. Search it out with God. 
Have you asked a spiritual mentor? God works fairly consistently through different people. And the last one is, do you feel rushed? Now, there will be times when the Spirit needs you to act and He needs you to act now. But in many cases, if you're not sure, God is patient. God is kind. And He'll work with you. If you're not sure, wait. Wait on the Lord. And He will help you. And in that, you get a sense of peace which is another characteristic of the Spirit. So what if I stuff up? Like, what if I've gone through the points? What if I I feel God's telling me something? And like that guy who spoke to me, he came to me and he said, listen, God said he wanted me to give you a message, but it doesn't make sense. I don't know what it's about. I feel really stupid, but here you go. What if you're wrong? I was talking to someone about this topic during the week, just chatting, and they said, you know what, like I am petrified of the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it's because I've given it a go once or twice, and every time, it's gone wrong. I don't get it. What if I stuff up? You know what? There is only one way you can stuff up. And that's by pushing the Holy Spirit away. There is only one way you can stuff up, and that's by pushing the Holy Spirit away. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Some versions of the Bible say, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. The, the language that's being used here is, is, the lang- is a language of fire. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down as fire on people's heads. The Holy Spirit is a fire burning in your life. And the language here, Paul's saying, don't get a big bucket of cold water and pour it all over the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't quench, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. God wants to express himself through our words and actions. And he does that through the Holy Spirit living in us and leading us and empowering us. And if we don't allow the Spirit to be seen in our actions, or if we get his promptings and we ignore it, or we argue against it, or we don't follow it, Every time we do that, we, we quench the Holy Spirit a little bit more in our life. And His presence becomes smaller and smaller. And that is the only way that we can really stuff this up. And yet, in my life, so many times I do. Usually, It's either because of doubt or fear. And when I think about doubt, really, it's two questions. If I ask for the Spirit to do something, do I receive? And am I really hearing Him correctly? And fear, 
usually of embarrassment. So it begs the question, how much do I really trust my Heavenly Father? How much do I trust the Holy Spirit? How much do I trust God? I say I trust Him with my eternal life. But when He prompts me to do something little, do I trust Him? You know, fear is a big one. I heard a story once of, um, of this guy who was convinced of the truth of Christianity, but he was just paralyzed with, pe- uh, with fear about devoting his life to God. And for him, the thing that really scared him more than anything else was that danger of being dubbed a, like a religious freak, religious nutcase. That just got him to the core. And for weeks, this guy just struggled with God. Because of his fears and because he didn't want to be, you know, what's that going to mean for my job and my friends and how's everyone going to take it and what's going to happen? But he couldn't escape it. So eventually what he decided to do is he went and spoke to a really old guy at one of his local churches. Now this guy was old. This guy had been around for the better part of a century. And so he came to him and he told him his dilemma. He told him the pain and the turmoil that he was going through. And the old guy listened And then he said, shook his head, and he said, this is a matter between you and Jesus. Why are you bringing everyone else into it? And the young man nodded. And the old man said, I'll tell you what, try this. Go home, go into your bedroom alone, shut the door, forget the world, forget your family, forget your friends, forget your work. And just make a secret pact with God and see what happens. And the young man just felt this weight fall from his shoulders, this fight that he'd been fighting. And he said, what, you mean I don't have to tell anyone? (laughs) You mean I can become a Christian and not tell anyone? And the old man said, yeah. He said, what, you mean no one at all? I can become a Christian and not tell anyone at all. Is that, is that right? And the man said, well, it's right for you. And this guy's like, are you sure? And he races home, climbs up the stairs, goes into his bedroom, shuts the door, gets down on his knees, and there and then gives his heart to God. And he's converted. And immediately, he ran downstairs into the kitchen where his wife, his parents, and a few of his friends were sitting. And he he couldn't help himself. He said, do you guys realize, he said breathlessly with excitement, do you guys realize it's impossible, sorry, it's possible for me to be a Christian and not tell anyone? Yeah, almost like a dad joke, isn't it? But true story. That's the effect of the Holy Spirit on our lives. We don't have to worry about stuffing up. And it's always better in this case for us to do something and fail than to do nothing at all. Do you remember the story of the talents and the person who got one talent and buried it and did nothing with it? When the, when the master came back, he described that servant as a wicked servant for doing nothing. And you know what? God is big enough to protect his own reputation and interests, even if you do 
something not quite how he wanted. And the results of what you're doing with the Holy Spirit, they're not your problem either. You're just the messenger. You're just the doer. It's the Holy Spirit's plan, and he's responsible for the results. And keep in mind that when you do this, when the Spirit is working through your life, you're going to be confronted by the enemy more often. You're going to see challenges come your way. You're going to get attacks and and kicks from the devil, but you will always triumph. Jesus said, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Check, change, obey, success, and then reject. Check, change, obey, obsess, watch out. Check, change, obey, obsess, watch out. Say it with me. Check, change, obey, obsess, and then watch out. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that each one of us will take a moment to to open our hearts to you. Spirit, I pray that you will compel us, convict us of, of anything in our life that you won't change. I pray that we will have a resilience to acknowledge, to respond, and to change. That we will listen to your leading, that we will obey your leading that we will shamelessly be persistent in asking, seeking, knocking every morning, every evening, any time something happens in life where we think, oh, there's a reminder, we need more of you in our lives. And I pray that you will continue to work your wonders, continue to move among us, and continue to bless us as we strive to bring glory to the Father as we move towards that day when you come again, we ask for it to be with you. In Jesus' name.